Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have on one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite things and then we trace its history to find out exactly where it all went off the rails. I am Winsler Powers. I am joined as always by my co-host Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, this is a fun one, bud. This was a fun one. I am I'm a little bit tipsy, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I haven't had to drink one of these in a little while. <laughs> you sound like me on a Chicago boat tour. Yeah. <laughs> Which we will fully explore very soon, guys. Listen to find out how. But no, when and I have been so overloaded at work. We said, let me do one where I can drink. We're just going to have fun talking about our normal stuff. So we did another solo episode, which are always so much fun, covering the history of Chicago and the Chicago fire. God, this is what I've been wanting to do for so long. We'll get into why we haven't done it, but I just had so much fun with it. I love these solo ones. Uh, they're so much fun. And uh, get a little spoiler for you. The reason we didn't do it was primarily my fault, guys. But <laughs> you're going to hear about that one soon, too. They'll get caught up. I also like how I advertise the guests in our intro and then we don't have one. Yeah, I think the guest truly was the joy of two friends hanging out. <laughs> It's a metaphorical guest. Also, we're not going to shake up our intro just for the, whatever, this is our third solo one. <laughs> Maybe we don't do this often, but they're a lot of fun when we do. Yeah, so fuck us, yeah, right? Yeah, that, <laughs> who cares? We can be our own guest. <laughs> no, this one was a lot of fun. I love it. You know how, you know, Andrew might be a little drunk? It's because he's like, fuck you, I'm my own guest. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I set some new standards when I've been drinking. I am so professional up until I have like a single sip. It's like, who, who cares? Just, just whatever. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this one, guys. Everybody calm down. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's enough of us yapping because you're about to hear a lot of it in just like three seconds. So let's get into it. Let's go. to these when it's just you and me. Yeah, I think this is our first one <laughs> recording it when, uh, well, let's, let's start right there. Uh, we're we're going to keep that part in, Nathan. How do we get into it? It's just you and me. We don't know, guys. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to Here's Where We Went Wrong. Wen and I are doing one of our rare solo episodes because we have been exhausted. We thought, let's just have a fun one. I've got a drink. We're going to relax. And this topic 
this was actually going to be our first history topic. This was going to be our first history episode. I suggested this so long ago and I got shut down immediately. You did. So what happened here is I am nervous about any new project. So we did our two episodes and I was like, I, I don't know. It feels like it might be too soon to talk about deaths that happened only 150 years ago. What will our audience think? Yeah. Yeah. You were very concerned that people would be like, wow, they went there. Yeah. They talked about a tragedy <laughs> from over 100 years ago. This podcast is not afraid to really speak truth to power <laughs> by just stating historical fact. It was very, look, it was stating historical facts where we're making fun of a lot of people having died. And I thought like, oh, is it going to be in bad taste to make fun of all the deaths? And then like two episodes later, we start just going right into the beheadings. God, we and like we really stuck it to the Titanic. Did you think yeah. the Titanic <laughs> episode that was our third episode? You were like, those are far enough away. It was more recent. Yeah, yeah, that was more recent and more people died. It was. But I figured by this point, people had been desensitized to the Titanic by James Cameron. We're not treading new ground <laughs> with Titanic. You know, I it, it, when it looks ex exhausted with me and rightfully so. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was so excited about this topic and you blew it apart I did. saying that it was culturally insensitive to who <laughs> and you're just like well well don't work like people saw the deaths happen in a movie so therefore it's okay to make fun of them i yeah i feel like that was my logic at the time when has thankfully gotten used to my anxiety on any new project where i'm like no man we gotta we gotta make sure we get this just right and he's like this is so much easier than you think it will be <laughs> have you listened to our original episodes andrew we were not good at this yeah <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I'm happy you had us wait just because, like, I'm glad we can be funnier about this topic, if anything. Yeah, it, it worked out in the end, just like the Chicago fire. It didn't, guys. That's a pretty big spoiler, actually. It was terrible for everyone. <laughs> Not the bad soccer team, right. by the way. <laughs> Which also, like, a weird thing to go with is like, hey, what do you want to name this after? Have, like, the worst thing that happened to this city. It's also one of the best things to happen to this city if you really think about it, which I have not. Is it? <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah. We have a history of naming things in the city after like the worst things that happened here. This is how we ended up with the Blackhawks too, where it's like, hey, let's just destroy the indigenous people and then name a team after them. And then it was like, hey, let's just destroy all of Chicago and name a team after that. This is <laughs> this is the, the attitude Chicago has adopted. Yeah. Remember how bad they treated people in asylums back in the day? Yeah. Well, now we have Zanies comedy club <laughs> god damn it yeah okay so uh chicago <laughs> so we need to reconsider its naming habits you hate me so i can see it in your eyes you laughed at it but you did not want to laugh at that joke i'm like oh god i i'm like i mean i they did it and also i started going through like how badly named all comedy houses are. Oh yeah, you're trying to like <laughs> let people know what they're going to experience when they walk in, but at the same time, like you have to incorporate some kind of laughter in there so people know what it is, Right. but you're trying to make a joke out of it because like that's what you do here and there's no way to do that well. Right. And that's how you end up with names like Zanies. Like, oh, you're going to see all these wacky comedians here. And then like, do you want to laugh? Well, guess what? We have an assembly line of people <laughs> with dreams and we're going to grind them into the dirt with three shows a night until you laugh. That's the laugh factory. IO, IO's just called IO, by the way. They got sued by the Olympics. Right. Yeah, they were improv Olympics, an actual lawsuit, because the Olympics, like, dude, you weird the Olympics. Like, how do you not know you can't do this? Like, fine, we're I guess we're IO. <laughs> 
and everyone just bought it. We're just going to be IO. It's what everyone calls us anyway. And like they would ever make improv an Olympic event. <laughs> right. It's not like the Olympics were like, I mean, we were going to do this, guys. Like this is we had dibs. We were going to have improv. We were going to bring in all the top <laughs> players from around the world to pretend to drive in a car. And you ruined it <laughs> with your fucking branding. And then we have Second City, which is ironically the name Chicago has because of this tragic event. Wait, did it happen because of the fire? I wasn't sure if it was that or it was like, hey, guys, we're almost New York. No, no. Chicago is not known as the second city because it's just like we're second best after New York. <laughs> That's what New Yorkers say to dunk on Chicagoans. And you shouldn't be subscribing to that belief, Andrew. Look, when I did my research, there was a lot of stuff about how Chicago was trying so hard to beat New York in the build, which is what led to the Chicago fire. No, no. It was called the second city because the city fucking burnt down and they built a second city on top of it. I mean, you know what? They did that in Edinburgh, too. And that one's like still there just underground, which is, by the way, it's just incredible and kind of freaks me out a little bit. Uh, (laughs) So Chicago's like somewhere like eighth or ninth, probably. But yeah, second city and obviously worked for them because they didn't try and put like Chuckle Hut in the name. Yeah, definitely. They were just like, let's not overthink this. The smartest thing a comedian can do. Right. <laughs> so you want to get a little bit into uh, some Chicago history here? Well, first, let's let's talk about we're going into what we love and we're talking about the city of Chicago. Andrew, how long have you been in Chicago? When, when did you move here? Why did you move here? Let's get into the nitty gritty of our associations with this beautiful godforsaken city. I've been here, I think, six years in November. And it was just an opportunity for a change. Basically, uh, I really have talked about this before in the podcast where I was still am disabled, but I was finally starting to get better. I'd been bedridden and was now well enough to start taking classes. And I thought all of my association with where I previously lived was being bedridden. I want something new. I want something exciting. I had a sister that lived here. I thought it'd be great to be closer with her. So yeah, so I, I picked Chicago. And at this point, you know, I was still going pre-med, but one of the first things I did was start going to stand-up shows. Actually, camp, one of our favorite shows in the city, was the first one I went to. First friends I made were uh, Tessa Orzek and Sam Berkman, one of the best in the city. Very welcoming. They helped get me into comedy. So yeah, I mean, this has been a fantastic experience for me. I I absolutely love it here. I think it has everything I'm looking for. I feel crowded in New York. Uh, I don't feel that way here. It's oppressive. Like, no, the buildings are so tall and so on top of each other that it is like fully like an oppressive feeling being in New York when you're like in the middle of that city. Absolutely. And this, this has been great. Obviously, the, the comedy hub that it is, is is perfect for us. I didn't know that when I moved here, this is where I was going to be going, but it ended up just right for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm offended you didn't mention me in particular in the great things about Chicago, but whatever. You're on the show. Okay, man. fine. <laughs> I'm sensitive. Fuck. Best part, obviously, uh, was meeting you when and all the projects we've got you know, becoming, you know, best friends. That's what I wanted to hear. That's why I set up this entire episode and podcast. When I had a conversation recently where we both like toddlers and who are not in touch with our emotions just realized like at the same time that we're like best friends. Yeah, yeah. It was very embarrassing on both of our parts to just like casually just be like, oh, wait, somewhere along the lines, this became best friendship. Right. Because we start out working together. It's like we liked each other, but also we do this. And I think that's one of the things with comedy, too, is like, no, this is this is a job. <laughs> it's, it's a dumb job, but it's a job. <laughs> yeah, I think you do so many bits with so many different people over time. Then you like leave and you don't really think about them the rest of the day. But we've done it so many times that it became friendship. And we forgot that that's how friendships work before <laughs> comedy. 
God, we're so fucking dumb. <laughs> God, like we are so emotionally stunted yeah. by what we do. <laughs> Good for us, man. We 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 got there in the end. <laughs> so what about you? What was your Chicago experience? So basically, you're all sick of hearing it. I was a theater guy. I did theater. If you listen to this podcast, you know two things. Andrew's smart and Wynn had a dream one. <laughs> but I, I did it for like a year down in Florida and I had this realization that was kind of crushing at the time was just like, oh no, this is a hobby. I didn't realize that I got a major degree that I paid money for for a hobby I enjoy. This is a terrible thing to realize. So I'd gotten out of college. I worked for this theater down in Florida for about a year. I left, I got back to Memphis. It was just like, what am I going to do? And I was like, well, I've always wanted to do comedy. One of those, the first things that came to mind was I have read the book, The Chris Farley Show, the oral history of Chris Farley's life. I read it like once a year. So by this time I had read it for like five or six years in a row. And I was just like, he just threw himself into comedy in Chicago. I love comedy. It's it's really like the thing that I excelled at most in theater was getting laughs from people. What if I just did that? So my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, she was majoring in architecture. So we were just like comedy architecture. Chicago's the city to go to. And we got engaged. We moved here. I worked at Second City for a while, worked in their box office. Boxco, if you're listening, you still owe me money. <laughs> Don't let the fact that you closed down for a little bit ignore <laughs> the fact that you owe me money. But I worked there for a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, I started doing stand-up and I got to know you and I got to start an awesome live stand-up show. And then after that, like after that closed down, because pandemic, we started this podcast. And as a whole, I love this city, not only for comedy reasons, but also for five months out of the year, it's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's nice outside. You have a beautiful lake on one side of you, and you have the most impressive architecture of a city you've ever seen on the other side. And that's wonderful. And if you can just block out the other seven months from your memory, it's literally the best city you could possibly live in. And I love it so much. I actually have one of Chicago's area codes tattooed on my body. That's how much I enjoy this city. It's fantastic. It's it's one of the places too that I don't want to leave. I actually really do love it here. I know that, you know, eventually when you're working in comedy, you go to, to LA or New York. But no, I mean, I, I keep hoping that Chicago will set up the kind of filming hub here to allow comedians to stay rather than leave because it's, it's a fantastic place. Yeah, yeah, totally. By the way, where are you headed on Friday? I'm heading out to LA. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Niles Abstin uh, is recording his next album. So I'm uh, going to go to uh, that show which should be a lot of fun god niles is so good shout out to niles i cannot wait for this new album because he he's been on the pod one of my favorite episodes and uh i just wish that guy all the success in the world just so awesome so good it really is so yeah we've got our show tomorrow night at the spitfire and then i leave the next morning i got my booster shot so i'm hoping that's enough because i kind of planned this before the spike so we'll see what happens but uh i'm, I'm very excited to go see live it's it's fine it's gonna be fine we're gonna be fine you guys will tune in next week andrew will tell you all about the trip and how he's not sick yeah <laughs> i'm uh, i'm getting to stay out with with Pallavi, who we've also had this sh- on the show so it, it's going to be a, a good one and uh, i'm trying to find somebody who has a hookup at the magic castle uh, <laughs> 
that, that's my current goal in life. I think that our biggest failure is that we did not get a guest on this podcast who could hook you up with the Magic Castle because so far we've gotten you entertainment and a place to stay from it. Right. <laughs> it's just we were so close, guys. The trifecta. Really, really, we're going to close it out if we could also get you into the Magic Castle. I really should have asked Seth Rogen. I know we have to know somebody. I read his book. He has a big Magic Castle story. It's in it. supposed to be fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's so heavy into the comedy scene that I'm sure I know somebody. I just don't know who I know that that has the past. Look, you have like 90,000 followers on Twitter. Just tweet. Does anyone have a hookup to the Magic Castle? <laughs> and just like go with your weirdest Twitter friends. All right. Honestly, that's a good idea. I'm going to I'm going to try that tonight, guys. All right. We found a solution. Boom. <laughs> so it's going to be a fun trip. All right. Well, let's let's get into the history of this city that we love so much. And Andrew and true you fashion, your research has completely just overshadowed everything <laughs> that I did. So let's let's just dive into it. Let's start us off. I was trying so hard to find a connection to ancient Mesopotamia. God, you would. Could not make that happen. <laughs> but I did go back to the first indigenous or not indigenous settler because obviously this had a, a huge indigenous population before we got here. But Jean-Baptiste Pontesab, a Santo Domingan of African and European ancestry, arrived around 1780. 1803, the army built Fort Dearborn. We start sucking immediately. 1803, the army built Fort Dearborn and uh, it's destroyed by an indigenous raid in 1812 and rebuilt four years later. At least they destroyed it. That's good. I mean, I was, yeah, I was happy for them in that. Yeah. They like, you know, good job on the raid. <laughs> That's it for a while. It's like the, the small win that they got before we just wrecked everything. It's 1830 lots for the future city were sold to help finance the Illinois and Michigan Canal. And then in 1832, the Black Hawk War ended the last indigenous resistance in the area. And then we named a fucking hockey team after them, uh, which is just such a dick move. That was so fucked up on our part. It's, it's horrific. Could you imagine if Germany had a team, like if they won, if they just called it Poland? Yeah. Can you just imagine? <laughs> That, that is an incredibly apt metaphor, and I had not considered that. But, you know, this is a, a, a really disturbing thing that Chicago keeps doing. Uh, at least the Chicago Fire, we did it to ourselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> 1833, it's incorporated as a town. 1837, its population reaches 4,000, which makes it a city. And 1848, it's got its first telegraph and railroad. So, yeah, a lot of hustling, a lot of bustling. It's because we were right at the end of the river, uh, right into the canals of of lake michigan and they were like this is a great place for a trading outpost they built it it got burnt down they built it again those motherfuckers <laughs> oh i mean it was it was perfect aside from being center of the city for the railroad as you said it was cooked to the canals so it had access to the atlantic ocean to the gulf of mexico to the rocky mountains this was an ideal trading hub yes and important to note this place was supposed to all be wild onions at yeah. the time <laughs> the name chicago is from chicago which means striped skunk or onion like they're like this place smells awful let's build a city here yeah i mean if so much water around it was marshland it was just like gross marsh <laughs> and then they're like yeah this is this is where we're gonna stop uh, <laughs> perfect i love it realize like all the it's not like they have an end destination it was like oh chicago we're here it turns out this sucks they could have kept <laughs> walking another 10 to 15 miles and gone somewhere that was not disgusting marsh <laughs> but no they stopped right there just a 
bold move. <laughs> Incredible move. Then I was reading about some of the two significant innovations that I had no idea mattered so much, and it was the grain elevator and the Board of Trade's wheat grading standard, <laughs> because this quickly changed how crops were sold, allowing even more trade to be done there. So by 1854, Chicago was the largest grain port and had more than 30,000 residents. And this is where... Chicago starts the kind of mistakes that they'll just repeatedly make when it's one of those things where it's like, oh, guys, we didn't know. And it's like, you didn't think this might be a thing because the influx of people and business led to huge issues in sanitation. And the city planned to build America's first comprehensive sewer system. And it was a, a cool plan. The city was basically at the same level as shoreline, allowing little drainage. So they raised like much of central Chicago on jack screws, streets, sidewalks, buildings, everything was just raised off the ground. That's so insane to think about that they it's were just incredible. like, we need the city a little bit higher. What if we just put a jack underneath it? Like right. that's like a, chi that's a child's plan. That is a <laughs> small child thinking in cartoon logic and we did it. No, I like, honestly, if you pitched me, the, you said, this is the problem. How do you solve it? It's like, what if we just kind of knocked everything down and put some more dirt under it? Like then it's all a little bit higher. What if, could we just do that? <laughs> that is the solution I would have for this massive problem. That makes so much more sense <laughs> than just like, what if we just jacked the city up? Yeah. I don't even know how that works. You, you wrote it down you what is a jack screw i mean yeah this is essentially what it sounds like these are like jacks that can be used as like a car to hold it slightly higher up they're obviously much stronger and you need a lot of these but yeah i mean they're just lifting the city slightly off the ground this is fucking insane i love yeah. it god i love my own podcast it's the height <laughs> of narcissism let's do this no, and it was a good idea that it improved cleanliness at first because it allowed the sewage and industrial waste, and there's a lot of industrial waste because now this is, again, a huge hub for the meatpacking industry, for trade, for import, for export, but allows all of this sewage off the streets, but it now flowed directly into the Chicago River and then Lake Michigan, the city's main freshwater source. Yeah, so they were just like, what if we put all of our literal shit <laughs> into the drinking water? Yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> this was it. I mean, this is like, did you not learn from the Thames? This <laughs> England already did this and we know what happened. You're not supposed to drink the sewage. You're not supposed to drink sewage. It's just, right. it's a basic <laughs> thing. You should really know this shit. And what was cool though was, was Chicago consistently responded with really cool engineering to all of these issues because they tunnel two miles out into Lake Michigan to build these new water cribs, which would run pipes delivering water from farther out into the lake to stations on shore. And when they're still there today, I, I actually have, I'm in a position where I see one from my window. So again, a, a very cool system, but the real solution came with this huge engineering feat. At the time it was called by other sources, the engineering feat of the millennium. And that was reversing the flow of the Chicago River using a series of canal locks and increasing the flow from Lake Michigan. So instead of going into Lake Michigan, it was now running out of Lake Michigan. It's just, just incredible. Incredible. Great stuff. Love yeah. it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, then late 1800s, Chicago grew as this national retail center, already having this strong meatpacking industry with major companies like Marshall Fields, now acquired by Macy's, being founded there. 1885, I, I found out Chicago built what was considered the world's first skyscraper. It was 10 stories tall. Look, we still have a lot of really tall buildings, though. We, <laughs> we do. It was just, I was amazed that 10 stories was considered skyscraper. But it was also very cool to think about what Chicago was at that time, if 10 stories was there or every major city at that time. Because it's not like it's that far in the future that the Empire State Building is being built, you know, like 40 years or so. True, but like during that period, like it was 
was it was massive. You could say an even industrial revolution. Oh, <laughs> you could say no. It absolutely was, which is why it was incredible how fast we went from that to these massive structures. Also, as I started going through the history, I found all these things that were tied to our other episodes. Because 1886, you have the Haymarket riots where police started firing on protesting workers, and you can hear about this. I think I think we touched on it in our Anarchy episode. It was due to an anarchist bombing, and as well as our Union episode, because it really helped usher in an era of protest and reform for workers tied to meatpacking, manufacturing, and shipping industries, because it was just this huge thing where they're protesting, police lose control, fire on protesters, and fire on each other because they don't know what they're doing, and then blame the protesters for that. So this this was a big thing. I'm glad we're past that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then 1893, Chicago hosted the World's Fair, which helped further put it on the map. And this was significant because this is about 20 years after the big topic of this episode. Like 20 years, we're hosting one of the biggest events in the entire world, and the city is 20 years after being completely destroyed. I mean, it's really, like, it was kind of Chicago's, like, big coming out party. It was Chicago's quinceanera, if you will. It was, like, a big, like, welcome back. We're open for business. By the way, if you go to that hotel over there, you're going to get fucking murdered. (laughs) I, I... One, fantastic reference. Two, I hope we can find a newspaper article somewhere that is talking about the World's Fair and says it's Chicago's quinceanera. (laughs) I know you're repeating my own joke back to me, which made me laugh like that, but I don't care. I like it still. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get to the Chicago Fire. Quick thing, because there were a couple of big developments in the 20th century, too. Oh, were there a couple big developments in the 20th century? <laughs> there, there there, were some, but we're going to skip most of them. But World War One caused a lot of social upheaval. Who knew? <laughs> and this brought a lot of black migrants from the South. And they built a strong community and culture, which led them to create Chicago's blues and jazz scene, which was just incredible. One of the most well-known in the world. It's, it's odd because I'm from Memphis, which is home of the blues. And then I moved to Chicago, the place that a lot of people would say perfected the blues. So like, I'm just following that high. Yeah, it, it, it was something my father always had going on when I was growing up. It was B.B. King, Muddy Waters, where we're constantly playing in our house. And uh, yeah, so I mean, the development was incredible there, despite the uh, explosion of racism in response to that. Here's the thing, when I looked it up, it says there were tensions between Chicago's Irish, Polish, and German populations and the new black population. And it's like, it's ten- it's racism. There's no, the, the only t- tension was that they were super racist. It's just wild because Because like the Irish and the Polish guys, you were just getting your shit kicked for so long. And then they were like, oh, there's someone that we can be bitchy to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's ride this train. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Prejudice looks so fun from the outside. Let's let's do some of that ourselves. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. The Irish had just gone through this. And then it was like, oh, yeah, but them now, guys. And by this point, too, you know, Irish had uh, <laughs> control of the police force. And it was, it was a lot of destruction. By the 1930s, Chicago's population had reached three million. And it was an absolute hub for gangsters and the mob due to liquor running during Prohibition. Question. Have you done the Chicago gangster? tour. I haven't, no. I did it when I first moved here. Me and my wife just did the most touristy shit we possibly could. And one of those things was the Chicago Mobster Tour and the Chicago Ghost Tour. And it turns out those things overlapped more than I would have liked when I bought two separate tickets. (laughs) That... That's, I guess I had not gonna say that, but not surprising. But no, when I, I moved here, I went to a restaurant and then found out it was across the street from the site of the Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah, that was, that was on the tour. That was on both tours. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, again, not surprising, but yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's the Chicago pizza oven and grinder company that's right next door. that does the pizza pot pie. Have you had this? No, I have not had the pizza pot pie. That sounds made up. Oh God. It's, it's fantastic. We're going to go get that sometime. (laughs) Wait, what is it? So it's a bowl that they filled with pizza ingredients and then they put a like dough over the top and bake it and then turn it out in front of you. So they basically just put a top layer on a regular Chicago style pizza. I mean, it's got the ingredients, but the level of baking tends to melt it slightly differently. But I mean, yeah, it's it's it's, it's another Chicago is this pizza kind of thing. <laughs> no, not really, but it's good. Look, Chicago deep dish pizza is a lasagna. And what you're describing as a pot pie sounds like one extra layer to that lasagna. It's no, there's no bottom layer. So it's just the top. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. There's no dough on the bottom. It's it doesn't make it better. It's just just more accurate. <laughs> this this is not a thing that needs to exist. But I swear to you guys, it's delicious. If you're in Chicago, go check it out. They should pay us for this. That I don't know. Why I'm giving this away for free. We've got sponsors. God, we should have sponsors. I know. More we sponsors. have sponsors. We do have sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> This is what happens when we do solo episodes, Andrew. We are the fucking worst. <laughs> I know. I mean, we don't plug them at all. Uh, but but look, if there's a pizza place I like, yeah, you're going to get some. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Free publicity here. So (laughs) at this point too, politics were equally corrupt as the gangsters because Chicago is being driven by their political machines, which you can hear about in our Teapot Dome episode too, where at this point it's just all patronage and setup and the entire city is run by corruption and favors. Good system. Great system. Good system. It was it was the mob, but legalized. So 50s and 60s, Chicago population shrank for the first time. It's factory jobs leveled off people to the suburbs. So I want to jump back to 1871 now and the real topic of this episode, the Chicago fire. So tell us a bit about that when. <laughs> what a thing. So what you guys need to know is that Chicago is made completely at this time of wood. <laughs> the whole city was pure kindling and it was ripe for the burning down. All right. So the Chicago fire took place between October 8th and October of 10th of 1871. We're sure it killed 120 people because those are the amount of bodies we found. However, they think maybe 300 people died, but we just don't know because they were just no trace of them left because of how bad this fire got. 
Andrew is looking like, oh no, this is the culturally insensitive things that made me worry about Chicago Fire episode. Oh no, not <laughs> after this point. We have covered so much worse at this point. I think we we did like a fuck the Royals episode like a week after Prince Philip died. I, I'm I'm done at this point. That's very yeah. true. And we said that. <laughs> and I think we said fuck Prince Philip. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm honestly still okay with that one too. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I, at this point, I'm, I've stopped worrying about it. Guys, if you're a fan of our show, we appreciate you and you know what this is what the show is. <laughs> exactly. If you're a part of the royal family and you are a huge fan of this podcast, we apologize for when we dunked on you for an entire episode. Can you imagine if we had the queen as a listener and we lost her because of that? God. <laughs> like we were so close. She was such a fan of everything else we were saying, but then we went way too far. Right. Up until that point, we were exactly her bag. One thing Wed mentioned here too about the wood structures. I think a lot of people hear that and like, oh yeah, a lot of buildings are wood. No, no. These, they use this balloon structure. Everything was wood. The roofs were painted with tar, which is just incredibly flammable. Flammable, flammable tar. The flammable tar, the streets and the sidewalks were also wood. It was the gag you would see in a cartoon woodchuck city. (laughs) (laughs) It was ridiculous. It was absolutely insane. The title of this episode is Here's Where It Went Wrong. The Great Chicago Fire when they built it like a woodchuck city. (laughs) So you know, I mean it was it was insane. So people like, oh yeah, I guess buildings are wood. No, they they built this place to be burned down. You would think also, oh, wood and then stone, right? And no. no. (laughs) Like they were not just using like the wood as just the balloon framing. They were also then being like, the wood's up. And done. Yeah. <laughs> they had metal nails. I'm not even sure if they used a single one. <laughs> it was insane uh, how this was set up. If they dipped the nails in gasoline, I would believe it. <laughs> well, and you have to remember, too, that this is a major transportation hub. So you just have train cars filled with gasoline and petroleum and barges. And also every industrial company here is dumping their flammable waste into the river. There is nothing to stop this from burning forever. So let's get into how bad this got. Even though I did just say it killed about 300 people, it destroyed 3.3 square miles of the city and left more than 100,000 people homeless, which at the time was one out of every three people in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it was unimaginable. And like, I know what you're thinking, 3.3 miles, like how much could that really? be. It's a lot. Like, that's a lot of space. Not only that, but in that 3.3 miles, this consists of 73 miles worth of roads, 120 miles of sidewalk, 2,000 lampposts, 17,500 buildings, and $222 million in property damage, which was a third of the entire city's evaluation in 1871. It was insane. Today, by the way, would be $4.7 billion. Yeah, $222 million in 1871 money is so much money. Yeah, it's so much money now. (laughs) It's so much money now that I thought that that was adjusted for inflation when I read it. I did too. (laughs) I thought the same thing. No, it was massive. And I, I know as Wen said that the miles, again, remembering it's square miles, so that 3.3 is a lot, but that's 2,000 acres. I mean, this is the city. The destruction was just huge. The whole shebang. Yeah. Whole kit and caboodle. So <laughs> Wen tells a bit about how this happened, which we don't really know. So the fire began in the southwest of the city center, which is now East Pilsen. And if you go there now, we funnily put a Chicago fire department there yep. and an academy. 
get it. Yeah. Get it. And there's also a Chick-fil-A there, which brings us back to the bigotry roots of Chicago. Yeah. It's really a center where you just kind of see the entire history of our town. It's yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was planned, but the metaphor is beautiful. Exactly. So at around 8.30 p.m., in or around a small barn owned by the O'Leary family, the fire began. There's a lot of rumors that the story is like that it was kicked over by Mrs. O'Leary's cow, but there's really no evidence of that. That's a story that mostly people ran with because they found a chance to yell at the Irish. Yeah. Mrs. O'Leary just happened to be the closest Irish person they could blame this entire thing on. <laughs> yeah, she said that she was actually in bed at the time and there's some other stories about what it could have been. Nobody really knows. But yeah, it was none of that. She was Irish. She was Catholic in an era where that was still, there was a lot of holdover from uh, the feeling towards Catholics from England, basically. Still, it wasn't that far after we moved over from there. So she was, was the epitome of everything that there was already this prejudice against. Fire burned, needed someone to blame. It actually actually ran in the papers and they eventually retracted it, but it was it was too late. This was now the Belize story. They fully ruined her life and then they were like, okay, maybe we don't know. Even today, they're just like, maybe a comet did it. Oh, God. And if it was in fact a comet, at that point, I have to assume God hated Mrs. O'Leary <laughs> and by extension, the Irish. I read that the comet story, it was basically one guy who was like, guys, because it happened at three other places all around the same time today, could be a comet. And everyone else was like, yeah, but comets they don't keep burning <laughs> once they land this has never happened he's like okay guys but there was this comet and they're like yeah but that was 40 years ago and we haven't seen it since and he's like i think it was a comet and that was <laughs> that was his entire argument i'm just saying if it was a comet then that means god hated that woman and therefore everyone was right to hate her as well because the lord himself said so that was actually an argument that a lot of people used after this <laughs> wait really they not not the comet part but they they actually tried to get Chicago to not rebuild. And they said, see, this is proof that we're coming further away from God's true roots with all of this fast industrialization. You're building this city too much and God is punishing you. And they're like, well, fuck you. We're going to build it even bigger this time. And this time we're going to use steel. <laughs> we did. I fucking love that we were just like, no, fuck you. We're going to build the biggest buildings you've ever seen. <laughs> Speaking of which, we are home of the largest building ever designed by a woman. That is the Aqua Tower designed by Gene Gang that is going up and I believe it's been completed over COVID. Really? Oh, that's fantastic. All right, well, we've got to go check that out. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a gorgeous building. It, it's uh, called the Aqua because if you look at it, it's like wavy. Like it's, it's not just like straight up and down. It like juts out in different parts and everything. So it looks like water going down. It's all like bright blue glass. It's really part of the skyline. I know you've already seen seen it but now you know that it's gene gang of gang architects that did it. I did, yeah, now that you mentioned it. Yeah, I had no idea. Gene Gang, we're looking for more sponsors, apparently. So get back to us. <laughs> Look, I just think that it's cool. Like, what a feather in your cap to design something that's part of the fucking Chicago skyline. Oh, no, absolutely. That was, I, I legitimately wanted to get her as a sponsor. <laughs> that, that is absolutely incredible. And you're right, now that you describe it, I have seen that building. It's absolutely beautiful. Chicago has an amazing architecture tour down the river, and there is so much that they talk as fast as I do but because they have to, not because they get excited and forget how to be professional. Uh, so it's it's a fantastic tour to take, again, if you're having it and you're in the area. Can I be honest with you, Andrew, about something? Please. I've gotten drunk on the Chicago Architecture Boat Tour three times in my life. <laughs> <laughs> 
I I have to assume because yeah, the first time you want to pay attention, but after that, it was like, oh yeah, that's probably a great one to do drunk. No, no, I did it drunk all three, all three times, <laughs> and I've remembered slowly more and more. Like every time somebody comes into town, I'm just like, I know exactly what you want to do, and they're like, I don't want to do this. This sounds very nerdy. I'm like, wait, and then I take them on them, and they, every single time, never once have I had a complaint. Everyone loves the Chicago Architecture Boat Tour. It's one of the best parts of this city. If you're a tourist or if you're me. Guys, if you want to learn about all of Chicago architecture, remember it. You can either go on the tour regular once or drunk five to seven times. And you will know <laughs> all about Chicago architecture. I still walk around Chicago and I point to things and I just say verbatim what they say on the tour. Yeah. And everyone thinks I'm a genius. <laughs> It's, it really was very cool. And there is so much here. And that was great to go through. And especially, too, because, you know, they had to rebuild all of this. <laughs> this was all burned down. And it was all burned down because not only did this fire start, but we were in a summer long drought. There was strong winds and there was just rapid deconstruction of our water pumping system. Uh, more on that in just a second. But basically, the entire city was kindling, and it was about to just blow up. More than two-thirds of the structures in Chicago at the time were entirely made of wood, covered in tar, all the sidewalks, and in a three-month period leading up to the Chicago fire, we got one single inch of rain. This is going to go so bad. <laughs> if you want to know how bad it's going to go, our whole fire department consisted of 185 guys with just 17 horse-drawn steam pumpers all throughout the city. And I don't even know what a horse-drawn steam pumper really is. I'm reading the notes, but I assume it's just a fire truck powered by horses and coal. Yes, I mean, no, you nailed it. <laughs> and yeah, and not only that, but the initial sponsor was quick, except a watchman sent them to the wrong place. So it let the fire go unchecked. That's, I forgot about that. They, they yes. sent them to the wrong place. <laughs> and also they sent another alarm to the wrong fire station. Yeah, this was just incredible. The level of things that went wrong. Their firefighters are hoping that Chicago River would act as this natural fire break, except all along the river were lumber yards, warehouses, coal yards, barges, carrying flammable things, and the river itself filled with the flammable waste. Plus, we are the windy city. And so as the fire grew, the southwest wind only intensified, obviously because it's just sucking in all of the oxygen now, and became superheated, causing structures to catch fire just from the heat and burning debris blown around by the wind. Can you imagine being one of those people that's just like, don't worry, boys, it's about to reach the river. And then just watching the, like, it, it briefly stops at the river. And then they're just like, oh, good. And they all start clapping. They all start golf yeah. clapping. And then all of a sudden, it just fucking lights the river on fire and goes across God. anyways. And then they all just like crestfall. Right. By the way, perfect 1930s newsman voice. Didn't know you could do that one. <laughs> I did it uh, during our beer episode. Oh, that's right. You did. Yeah, it's slightly different, but it's the same voice. It's the same. Okay. <laughs> I watched too much Conan O'Brien is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, and one of the things that I, I really got this more I looked into this was just the role that wind played in this because around midnight flaming debris blew across the river and landed on roofs and the south side gas works. The, the whole city was just designed to keep fanning the flames. And as more fires burned, the heat got so intense, heated air would rise and it comes into contact with cooling air and begins to spin, basically creating a fire tornado called a fire whirl that are now just rampaging the city and let debris go much higher and much farther and much hotter. What a terrible thing that would make an awesome band name. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, I, it also has to be fantastic to look at if everything you knew and loved wasn't being destroyed in front of you. Like, a fire tornado is clearly badass. You have to just sit there and just go, God damn it, this rules. Yeah. <laughs> I hate watching my home go up in flames, but if anything had to do it, I'm so glad it's this. Right. <laughs> it was Absolutely incredible. It jumps the river a second time and landed on a railroad car carrying kerosene. It's it's like a cartoon. This is insane. This is like comically bad. Andrew, did you ever play the game Mousetrap as a child? I did, yes. <laughs> this is that. This is a giant Rue Goldberg machine. Right. <laughs> specifically designed to burn a city down. It's like we were just like, what if, what if? And I, oh, look, it wasn't the cow, but I'm just going to say what if we start with one cow kicking over a lamp in a barn and then that goes to here and then that goes to there and then it goes to the river and then the river's polluted so it goes across the river and then it hits the wind and then the wind becomes a tornado and then it hits a train and then that train catches fire but the train's not going to stop. That train's going to keep traveling for a little bit and it's going to set more fires as it goes. And it's just like, wow, <laughs> that is the best city planning I've ever heard if the city planner hated the fucking city. Oh, right. Like, I could not have designed a city to burn better than this. And so it, it jumps to the north side now, and it's like, oh, okay, well, at least this is where we have the city's waterworks. But within the minutes, the building with the city waterworks was destroyed, and the city's water mains just went dry, leaving the city completely defenseless. It's like the fire had motive. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, like Chicago killed the fire's dad. This was the John Wick style plot <laughs> to like, like the destruction of Chicago. Look, if there's anything that's going to be as cool as John Wick, it's a fire becoming a fire tornado and then burning down the thing that holds all the water to put out the <laughs> fire. It was it was insane. This should not be real. So at this point, too, everyone basically just goes, all right, do we just do we just watch then? <laughs> like there's nothing there's nothing to do. What are you going to fucking do? You have no water. Your river is on fire. And right. like the place that holds all the water you would use to put out the fire is burnt down. Like, what are you what are you going to no. fuck? You're not going to fist fight it. I know they're, right. they're I know we're <laughs> Irish, but we're not going to fist fight it. <laughs> No, it was, it was, it, there was nothing they could do. I mean, it burns all night, all the next day, but that next night it does start to rain, but that's not what actually puts it out. What, what puts it out is the fact that everything has been burned, that it, it has already spread to the areas where stuff is less densely populated and the buildings are farther spaced. It's already burning out just because it has eaten all of the material it could possibly burn. That's incredible. And I can just imagine being the fireman that's just like, we did it boys. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> It was, yeah, I mean, insane. I mean, when I already gave you all, all of the numbers on the level of destruction, but it took days for it even to cool down enough for them to go into the city to survey the damage after the fire was gone. They couldn't even find skeletons of so many no. people because your skeleton has been burnt away. That is the level of hot yeah. this city was <laughs> because once again, we had a fucking fire tornado. <laughs> Just incredible. Could not believe all of this was real. And one thing when I found was looking into this that was worth noting was it was, as we said, one of four fires that happened along Lake Michigan at the same time, because obviously they were all suffering from drought and led that one guy to say it was probably a meteor that split up four times. <laughs> and everyone was like, no, it's not, idiot. Yeah. It's the Irish. <laughs> it's the Irish and their fucking three gods or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> 
That, that was probably the closest translation of the response there was. Yeah. But with these fires, there's one 250 miles north destroyed in Peshtigo, Wisconsin. It's called the Peshtigo Fire. It destroyed a dozen other villages as well. It killed between 1,200 and 2,500 people. It charred approximately 1.5 million acres. It is the deadliest fire in all of American history. It happened the same day at the same time as the Chicago Fire, but it is not talked about because the area was so remote. So it's not, not only not really noticed at first, but one of the first things to burn was the telegraph line to Green Bay. The only way to inform anybody else what was going on. Okay, this is making me believe that fire has motive because what does a serial killer do in every slasher movie? It cuts <laughs> the phone lines. It's, it's true. It, th- this fire was on top of its game. I hope the fire isn't sentient actually because could you imagine doing all that great work and then like having it overshadowed by this other asshole fire down the road yeah. that just happens <laughs> to be in a big major city so everyone cares about it more? This is me complaining about New York and LA comedians, by the way. It's, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> fantastic metaphor. That's what you listen to the show for, folks. Bitter comedy metaphors from Wynn and Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think that about captures it, right? That that is the Chicago fire. God, I love it so much because there, you cannot really do any better than that. This is like the most insane set of dominoes you could possibly set up. And just like it was waiting for that one moment, just that one little thing to just have it all go. And it all went flawlessly if you're a fire from the 1900s. <laughs> you know, my, my favorite episodes are the one where it's just a confluence of events where they all had to happen, all had to happen so specifically and so badly that it just spiraled so far out of control. And that absolutely happened here. Could not believe the level of destruction. God, I love it so much. And you know what I love even more, Andrew? What? Our next section is called In Their Defense, where we have to defend the Chicago fire. That's going to be a tricky one, but I've got some ideas. When you want to go first? I'll go first. And I actually truly believe this. Chicago is one of the best cities in the world. It truly is. And when it was first built, they built it like fucking dog shit. It was so easy to destroy this fucking city that you could accidentally do it if you were a cow, allegedly. You could ruin the whole fucking thing if you were just Irish and went to bed after milking a cow. That is how easy it was to destroy this city, allegedly, back in this time. When they first built it, it was just so easy to ruin this place. And then it all burnt the fuck down. And obviously, obviously, the loss of life, tragic. As you know, we are very sensitive. We waited a whole year to do this episode just because Andrew was so sensitive (laughs) about the deaths of old, old, old Chicagoans, great-grandparents dying. (laughs) That's how much he fucking cared about this, and he's very sensitive about it. (laughs) But when they cleared the rubble and they were just like, let's get all this out of here, let's really take a look at what we got, they said, hey, we made a lot of mistakes here. And you know what they proceeded to do? They proceeded to not do them a second time, and they built a new city on top of the rubble. A beautiful city, a shining city on a hill. Okay, in a marsh, if we're being honest. A shining city on a bunch of jacks. Chicago. And it is so perfectly laid out. 
Have you been to New York? Have you seen how much garbage is in their fucking streets? You know what they decided to do when they rebuilt Chicago? They said, hey, what if we had alleyways for people to dispose of their garbage? A revolutionary idea that no one had ever fucking considered unless they had a chance to be like, hey, we could start this over again and do it right this time. And they did. And it's so beautiful. And the reason I can do a Chicago architecture tour drunk so many times is because this city is gorgeous. And it's so good to look at and it's beautiful. And you could go down that river and you could see every fucking style of architecture you can imagine. There's so many things that they shouldn't have been able to do. There's one skyscraper that literally they're like, there's not enough room on the ground to build this. So they said, okay, well, what if we just put like poles in the ground and then (laughs) made it go up like a triangle? Can we do that? And they did. That shouldn't exist. It's a fucking tuning fork sticking (laughs) out of the ground into the sky. It's wild. And they wouldn't have been able to do it if this city didn't go down in fucking flames. And that's my defense of the Great Chicago Fire. That (laughs) is very good and took a lot of the material that I was planning to use. So what I'm going to go with is uh, slightly more niche. And that is without the Chicago Fire, this podcast may not exist. Here's why. I heavily research all of these episodes. After the Chicago fire, everything had burned down, as we covered. Libraries included. Libraries had previously been private with membership. That was pretty much standard and was true for every library in Chicago. But in April 1872, they passed an ordinance establishing the Free Chicago Public Library because they received so many donations, in part from the UK, who donated more than 8,000 volumes. And this helped start the chain of free libraries that exist now in Chicago, and to set this as a standard across the country, leading to these public works. I use this all of the time. It's mostly online now, but I access research papers through the Chicago Public Library. I am such a huge proponent of public libraries in general and learning how to use them better. But that was what led to the establishment of this as a standard in the country. It was absolutely huge and a gift from the UK. And without that, you wouldn't get to listen to when and I get a little bit drunk and talk about the random shit we find interesting. Chicago Fire, thank you so much. I did not know that that. Yeah. I thought I knew everything about this historical event and I did not know that that's the reason we have public libraries that is amazing it really is and it it was one of the what I think one of the great things to come out of this uh, was that it helps set this as a a standard so you know a lot of other bad stuff happened but also pretty cool books that is very true and you know what usually we have a guest and they provide a third opinion and they're not here so I'm going to provide a third opinion (laughs) it's this okay without the great Chicago fire do you believe we would have the absolutely stellar Thursday night lineup on NBC of Chicago Fire, followed by <laughs> Chicago Med, followed by Chicago PD. All those those two second ones were spinoffs of Chicago Fire about the Chicago Fire Department. It would not have that title without the Chicago Fire having <laughs> happened. You wouldn't get the spinoffs. And where would we be on Thursday nights? What would we be watching? We would not be watching quality television produced by Dick Wolf, that's for sure. And that is the third defense of the Chicago Fire. Well, that's also obviously the the big one. And we also got a good half season of Chicago Law in there too. So you know what? They're pulling their weight. God, I gotta be honest, I've not watched a single episode of any of those shows. I have and do not enjoy them. (laughs) So I, I think we're good. But either way, I was excited just because it brought the potential of more filming in Chicago, which means when I could possibly get work writing here without having to go to 
LA. Let's do it. There we go. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that about covers it. We covered what we love here, our own history, the history, where it went wrong, and uh, some pretty creative in their defenses. I think we nailed it. I think this is great. I think so, too. These solo episodes are so much fun. And speaking of which, if you do enjoy these, you can reach out to us at HWIWWpod on Twitter, or, you know, we leave our handles in, in the show all the time. Uh, let us know if you like these solo episodes, what guests you'd like to see. We'd love to hear back from you. Guys, we really appreciate you listening. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe. Give us five stars. It helps out so much. We also have a Patreon down in the show notes that helps us keep this show going. We're going to be back next week. We hope you'll join us then. When? I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.